and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is the founder of Mission USA, Glenn Fitzgerald. I've got problems with my spit dip. <laughs> they were talking about that before the show, and I just wanted to sound cool. Right on. Whenever they mention technical stuff before the show, I pretend like I'm in on it. Sure, absolutely. One of our favorite recurring bits. Yeah. Also joining us, another one of our favorite recurring bits, one of the directors of Mission Productions, Jed Brewer. <laughs> I'm on record as celebrating the Sony Philips Digital Interchange format. Oh, fancy. He knows the acronym. You've been unacronymed. Join us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Crash Community Church, making his triumphant return to the podcast, Lee Younger. Thank you for saying triumphant return. I have the wrong sample rate, and I don't have any cans. Whoa. It's... These are my technical uh, situations. Being canless, I think we can all relate to that one, even if we don't understand Sony's proprietary input system in the way that we do. Um, we got a fine show for you tonight. Again, Lee makes his return, I think, for the first time in quite a while. We're actually at full oh, yes. strength. We're ready to dive yeah. right in to the wisdom. Yep, let's do it. First question comes in to anonymously to say that. What is that going to declare an emergency? He let he let Matt get pretty far down the pipe. Yeah, I was I was always about to uh, preview the first question, and she's a doozy. Well, yeah, well, you know what? No time for that because we have an emergency. Oh, now listen, people uh, listen to the podcast. Are we it, sure that's true? Well, I wouldn't. I mean, they I, play the podcast. We know that it seems a little inadvisable, but uh, here's what it is: people listen to it. They love it. Yes. They cherish it. They like it. They love it. They want more of it. They laugh. They cry. It becomes a part of them. Yes. This is what happens with the podcast. The good times, the bad times, I'll be on your side forevermore. <laughs> that's what our podcast is for. Well, that's right. Thought that was going to go the Zeppelin route on the good times, bad times, and he really, yeah, really shook me off on that one. Yeah. Well, here's what happens. Most people, they listen to the the podcast. They write it down. They get a transcript they're, they're, sure, of their own. They they put that in their journal. Yes. They send that off. They have that leather bound. Oh, as you, know, you do. And then they put that on the shelf, you know, and you yeah. got your different volumes of, sure. of the Say That podcast. That's just the usual. But there's some people out there, they're trying to take it to another level. Wow. Is there another level? Well, apparently there is. Um, we heard from our good friend, Mr. Arlen Troyer. Ah. Now, uh, Arlen, this is a fact. Arlen was uh, one of our preachers on the very first night of the bridge. Wow. Many, 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 many years ago, a decade and a half ago. Uh, a fine gentleman. We're all very fond of him and... Uh, he mentioned uh, to me recently that he's listening to the show, uh, but mentioned that the the show definitely takes on a whole new dimension when you listen to it at half speed. Aha! <laughs> now, apparently, depending on the podcast software you're using, I know it's true for the one that I use. You can you can listen to your pop, your favorite podcast at double speed or half speed, right? Apparently, he set it to half speed. Now, we couldn't work out, was that a case of, you know, just hit the wrong button? Sure. And things went... Happens uh, to the best of us. Things kind of went haywacky there. Or 
Was he just trying to absorb the wisdom? Sure, absolutely. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, it's coming high, hot, and fast, you know. It's like a slow drip of wisdom. Yeah, he's like trying to slow it down so he can get all of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to miss anything. Let it percolate. Yeah, savor that's, it. That's, it's steep. It's trying to, you got to let it steep and get the juices. Don't rush the wisdom. Yeah, That's right. Don't, don't rush it's the It's kind of like, Glenn, you're from Texas. Yeah. And, you know, the way they do barbecue down there is low and slow. That's what it is. You keep that fire low, yep. you keep that in there for a long That's time. That's how you do it. That keeps the wisdom juicy. I don't know if, any, if many people know that. Well, it, juicy wisdom is what you want. I, can we change the name of the podcast to Juicy Wisdom? No, that was the original <laughs> name, and iTunes rejected it resoundingly. <laughs> <laughs> because let me tell you what. This Tim was, Cook himself called me and said, no, you can't call it that. <laughs> can we, Stop asking. Can we launch a Say That branded energy drink called Wisdom Juice? I think we have wow. to now. Well, that's a, that's a companion product to the special sauce from the Bridge Loud podcast. The that's special right. sauce. I personally can't wait until the first headline about a teenager who... Uh, is put hospitalized with renal failure from chugging eight wisdom juices. In <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you what. So this is what I'm talking about is there's a lot of people out there on what we would have to describe as sort of an experimental head trip. Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. And wow. I'm not sure if we want to warn the people. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because you could you could harm your brain sure. by putting too much wisdom in it too fast, totally. kind of a thing. You know, get a or, wisdom freeze. Yeah, whatever it is, you can get the bends, right, or whatever. Sure, sure. So I I think we need to discuss this. Well, there's definitely a discussion of the the you know the health warnings. We may be the first podcast that's ever been regulated by the FDA, and that was yeah. always going to happen. Yeah. Um, what I'm interested in is much you know you had. A rev- I, this sounds like a revolution in podcasting. It's yeah. a revolution in podcast listening. My my question is, can we as the content creators match it with a revolution in podcast creation? Oh. Because, you know, you had your uh, your revolution in recording, and you had your, your LPs, which for the young people is like a really big Spotify. Like, you just, you're, like if you printed out a Spotify playlist at a time in wax and then spun that around and listened to it. Right. That's like what a record is. Huh. Yeah. So you had those, but then you had, you know, your, 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 your Brian Eno's, your, your Beatle producers, your, yeah. some of your, who decided how can we play with this format? Yeah. We know people are going to try to listen to it backwards. Can we put something in there? We know right. people are going to change the speed. Can we sneak a little message in there? And I'm wondering if we can do the same. Well, you're, you're referring of course to backmasking. Yep. Yes, and, I am. And anyone who is our age or older definitely remembers back. Definitely nasty. remembers their their jacked up uh, grandmother's church and all they had to say about satanic. Backmasking, which was in your favorite band's record. <laughs> okay, this is this is a real thing, and we just yes, we now of- step away from the speculative comedy to <laughs> laugh at Jed's real childhood. Okay, so like so that you can enjoy the comedy, we got to take about thirty seconds, and this is for real. So, like in particularly the seventies and eighties, Christians were deathly afraid of rock music. Yeah, and by rock music, I I mean stuff like Jimi Hendrix. Right. I mean yeah. that was. They hated it. It was awful. They thought it was terrible and satanic. They didn't really have any way to like prove that that was true because there was no truth to it. 
So the best idea they could come up with, you're going to think I'm making this up because it sounds absurd. Dear listener, I'm not making this up. This is a thing that Christians were really hung up about. But it doesn't just sound absurd, Jed. It actually is. It is absurd. They came up with an idea called backmasking. They said all this rock music has secret satanic messages that are embedded in it where when you play the music backwards, you hear the satanic messages. Right. So there were two. Now, apparently, it got in your brain if you listen to it forward. Yeah, that's right. Nobody could tell you how that works, but that was the thing. That's how the demons get in there. There there were two examples that the Christians would point to. One, there's a Zeppelin song that if you played it backwards, supposedly at one point you could hear someone saying, my sweet Satan. Right. That was thing number one. My question about that is, is there not enough satanic imagery in normal Led Zeppelin songs (laughs) for you people to pick up on? There was that in some Lord of the Rings. The second (laughs) one was in a Queen song. Yes, Queen, that bastion of (laughs) Satanism. In a Queen song, there was the phrase, apparently, start to smoke marijuana. Uh Which is the way people say that. Yes. (laughs) I am starting to smoke (laughs) marijuana. This is a real thing. They made, you know, be afraid of rock music videos, like, like VHS tapes to show your children in the 1980s, where they would play the clips of these right. damning moments. Just in case you think Christian grifting is something that started with Twitter. It is oh, not. no, it's been around a long time. So, and I've heard the Queen one, and right. what it actually sounds like is, and the best that any of us could come up with is, I think he's saying, start to walk your chihuahua. That's, right. which that sounds like a more yeah. queen sentiment, really. Very much that's, so. That's probably what Freddie was into. I so. know you're listening right now and you're thinking, these dudes are making this up. This is silly and <laughs> contrived. No one would go for this or buy this. Dude, this was the full on fear factory for yeah. Christians in the 80s. I'm talking about me and my buddies put the Led Zeppelin album on because we had it. Sure. Sure. We, you got the turntable. The Satanist that you were. Yeah. And we, myself and all my buddies from, from our youth group, put the record on, but to drop the needle on it, and spent, I want to say, a conservative two and a half, three hours. <laughs> Searching for that satanic right. Yeah, because you had, like, manually, it, you, know. you, you couldn't just set it yeah, to yeah. turn backwards. You had to manually roll it backwards through the entire album, and the, the moment of ecstasy on our third or fourth time through the album where we finally got some seat Satan Satan. Like, I think that was it. And you know, everybody high fived like <laughs> right on. So it was, yeah. Uh that's how you get the demons inside of you. But now the question, now that we've covered that, is yeah. is it time for backmasking in the Say That podcast? Absolutely. Wow. Who's to say we haven't been doing it all along? <laughs> <laughs> if you were to play the Say That podcast backwards. Which you should do. Yeah. Clearly. What kind of secret messages would you get? Would we be urging you to walk your dog? Let me ask you a question right now. Do you crave this podcast fortnightly? (laughs) Because that's a big sign right there. Absolutely. It's got, uh, you know, there's a pentaverate of us, and we started putting secret messages in it. I think, I like the idea that, you know, because weirdly, the whole idea of the kind of backmasking uh, craze of the eighties was that these bands are trying to like portray themselves as family friendly, which they weren't. No. Right. Right. Like 
Jimmy Page desperately wanted someone to believe he was a dark wizard. Right. But he just kind of skinny kid with a roughly shirt. Yeah, very high pitched voice. Yeah, and he's gonna sneak, you know, they're gonna sneak the the ant- antithetical message in there. So I like the idea that if you play the Say That podcast backwards, we just say really nice things about megachurch pastors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, hey, it's, you, you got to get people in the building. Right. That's the name right. of the game, folks. You got to do the numbers. Well, can we can we actually sell advertising that way? Oh. Say, so we'll, we'll, wow. you'll put, you pay us. We put it in their subliminal style. Ooh. <laughs> Stephen Furtick is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> or to, to quote uh, George W. Bush, we could put in subliminable messages. Oh, those are the best kind. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was my big political statement. Things like that used to be adorable. <laughs> yeah. Hang out for the hang out for the first question. Again, another preview. <laughs> foreshadowing. But th- th- I think we I think we we'll just miss- foreshadowed our back masking. <laughs> There's all sorts of time travel going on. <laughs> I, I think we're missing a golden opportunity, fellas, if we don't put all sorts of subversive mind control type of messages embedded Clearly. into the podcast. Yeah. I think our subversive mind control is just a normal podcast. Yeah. Oh. So I think the bag masking would have to be all about like sweater choices. Yeah. Oh, well, that, that would be that would be like getting in your brain, man. Yeah. 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 Like I listen to these guys and they do like urban ministry and stuff, but all of a sudden I I just feel the need to check out some very anodyne New Testament commentaries. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I I think like if you if we could put a message in it, I mean like. For example, what would we say right now if you if we were going to record? Because you got to record it going forward right, right. and then flip it to backwards. Right. I think we we might record something like, you know, it's not that bad. Sure. You watch the podcast. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You don't really watch it. You listen to it, but, you well, know. Well, you don't watch it if you listen the normal way. Turns right. out if you listen it, uh. Uh, you know, uh, Arlen was at half speed. If you can find a way in your podcast app to listen at 0.25 speed, it becomes a video feed. Whoa. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. just blew my mind. Yeah. yeah. That's what you do. We just cracked it. Is you, you back mask it with the subliminal messages to make them hallucinate sure. visuals to the podcast. The secret Twitch link yeah. to our live stream is that's in the back mask. level right yeah. there. We just disrupt the podcast. My question is, can Glenn just fix Christian dating with subliminal oh, wow. messages? Just like every now and then, we just put it in people's brain. Ask her out. Yeah, that's a great Go idea. Go ahead and ask her out. <laughs> that's a great Don't idea. wait anymore. Just ask her out. <laughs> right. Yes. Just, just Glenn, just, and people start dreaming. Uh, just Glenn's voice, just, at, just, just. You're a chicken. Ask her out. Right. I, Just that kind of maybe, stuff. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I think for that's, some unknowable reason, roller skating amongst Christians ages twenty four to thirty two is up four hundred percent, skyrocketing. <laughs> this, this is a serious thing. I once suggested the best way for Christian dating to be fixed is rent a roller skating rink, have couples skate, and lock the doors. Forced couple skate. Uh, lock the doors till everyone pairs off. Well, yeah. I still have not heard a better idea. Mandatory couple skate. <laughs> well, and then, but the problem is, is that if we, if this technology starts to work, it's going to go to Glenn's head and he's going to start 
doing all kinds of things that he wants to see in Christian culture, more puppet ministries, right. that right. kind of stuff. Sure, yep. sure. I yeah, mean, he, he does that anyway. This is just giving him a good outlet, I think. I, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah, well, on that basis, gentlemen, now that we've solved uh, how to disrupt podcasting, take it to the next level, I declare emergency off. Indeed. Now, what what ne- what has no hidden messages that you know of? So you got to mm. intrigue them with a little mystery. Is the songs that we put in Bridgebox? Ooh, they probably don't have any secret messages in them. If you download the file and play it backwards, but how would you know? Wink. Unless you subscribe, missionyosa.com slash Bridgebox. <laughs> download those for yourself. We are still in the month of July, where we have five songs in our summer mixtape. Oh yeah. Not sure why I pronounce the term July as if I were uh, some kind of Southern dandy, but I appreciated it. There we are. Missionusa.com slash bridgebox. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang us all the way to the end, I use some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into the episode description, find those links there. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, The people being held at the border in these tiny camps is horrific. I always told myself when I was young that if anything like this happened, In my time and country, I'd be one of the ones doing something about it. But I'm a random white lady who lives an hour from Canada. I'm broke and can't travel, and I don't speak Spanish or know anything about politics. So besides just being sad and mad with, quote, thoughts and prayers, unquote, what can I do? And a very important question. Indeed. One one may, if we were, uh, we talk about time travel in the podcast, if one were to look back at the history of the American church in, oh, say, 40 to 50 years, one may deduce that this is the most important question going on in our current time. Uh, but uh, again, Jed, I think what we're trying to do here with what our friend wrote in is take this giant thing that is, it's emotional, it's political, it's spiritual, it is happening on a grand scale. How do we start to boil that down into something that an individual can deal with? It's a great question. Uh, I, well, let's say this to begin with. You open your question by saying the kids being held at the border in these tiny camps is horrific. We agree. We Amen. we definitely agree. Yes. So we agree with you. That is horrific. All right. So what do we do? And kind of as Matt's pointing out, how do we conceive of a way to respond, not just to this, but to, to other injustices uh, around us? Okay. So a phrase that we use a lot um, that is going to be the underpinning of everything you hear us describe is as follows. It's not original to us. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. That's it. Um, you don't have the power to just force things to be different. You, you don't. Um, I don't either. Um, and if we did, things would be different. So you're going to start where you are, you're going to do what you can, and you're going to use what you have. So let's actually kind of go through that checklist for a second. One thing that you have, you say that you live an hour from Canada, so I assume that you mean you live in the U.S. You have a senator. And you have a representative. You have elected political representatives. Call them every day. Email them every day. I bet you've heard the old phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. It's true. Be the squeakiest wheel that they have ever dealt with in their entire lives. Make them demand that you stop calling. And when they do, call twice as much. Blow up that phone line, dude. There's no law against it, and it's something that you absolutely can do. And it is something that, uh, by law, congressional offices are required to take those calls, and they do log them. Yep. It will be noted in the official record that you called about this thing. Yep. Call them, email them, do the thing, and don't give up. Be the persistent widow. Do that. Don't give up on it. 
um, uh, uh, if we wanted to kind of take away morality for a second, which I know is a big ask in this case, but let's try and do that just for a moment. If you are um, a, a professional politician, whether it's a senator or representative or whatever, um, you have more things you could do with your time um, than there are hours in the day. You have far more things that you could be lending your attention to than there's opportunity, which means ultimately you're going to be responding to the loudest noises. That that really is what you're going to do. So by you basically harassing your representatives, you are finding a way to be the loudest noise. That's what you're doing. That's a good thing. Now we're going to take that same approach and we're going to use it with your denominational leadership. If you're a part of any kind of connected church. There's plenty of churches that call themselves non-denominational and are not. Um, they're, they're a part of a network. They're a part of a coalition. Um, obviously, if you're a part of Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, you're definitely a part of a denomination. Call the bishop. Talk to your pastor, but call the bishop. Call the bishop's boss. Call the highest person you can get a hold of. Do the same thing. Keep calling. This is awful and atrocious. What are you going to do about it? Uh, I need to see action. I'm a member of this church. What you, and again, do that until they say, please stop calling and then keep calling. That's, that's be, yeah. the, be the squeaky wheel. Do that. That is a thing that you can do where you are right now today. No one can stop you from doing it. Um, yeah. No one can, can turn that off. It doesn't require any money. Um, doesn't require anything, but a fairly small amount of time. Then there's one more thing that we'd encourage you to do, which is, um, as you put it, given just your geographical limitations, you are not close to this actual problem that's going on. You can lend your voice to it, and we want to encourage you very strongly to do that, but you aren't physically geographically close to it. But you are physically and geographically close to other people who are newcomers to your community. They may be immigrants from other parts of the world. They may have moved from other towns, but there are people who are newcomers to your community who have needs. You can choose to volunteer in your community and help people that are new to that community, to help people who are outsiders to that community, to help them get settled, to help meet the physical and emotional and spiritual needs that they have. Maybe you can't do everything, but you can do something. Um, There are almost certainly organizations right where you live that are helping people in that state. And again, that could be everything from folks who who are immigrants to folks that are uh, women in crisis to um, families that don't have enough to eat. There are almost certainly ministries right where you are in organizations where you can volunteer with them. If you don't have a lot of money, you can lend your time. Uh, if you have money, you can lend some of your money. You can lend your talents. Um, but you can get involved in that struggle right now today. You can do that. Uh, that will make a real impact for the people that are there in your community who are going through a hard time. And um, uh, we are praying you up. We are lifting you up. And we've got your back as you get involved in this very important fight. That's an excellent point. A great place to start off. Lee, love to go to you here because I want, I want to pick up right where, where Jed is talking there, because those are absolutely the right things to do. Those are something anyone can do, but I wonder if the gap we need to fill is it's so easy to get discouraged because you're probably still going to turn on the news and see these big, awful things happening while you're doing a very good thing, but what may seem that scope a little good thing. And what's the right way to think about that so we don't get discouraged on that? I love the way you're setting up the question. And, and uh, I know we all kind of amend this, but I want to come right in on the same tip and say we are with you the way that you feel. So, sometimes sometimes you, you have certain emotions and you don't know whether to trust them. Um, you don't know whether your emotions are steering you the right way or the wrong way. 
this is one of those moments where you absolutely are on the right tip. Being sad about this, being angry about this, being outraged. Um, there's a lot of misplaced outrage these days, but this is the right place to put it. Um, this is you are you are exactly on the, the the right angle here. And the thing that that can be tough about this is exactly as Matt's saying, where you live and how big this problem is, the scope of it. What can you actually do about it? The cool thing about um, about our about our faith about our relationship with the living God is that he says that anything that anybody does, he counts it as absolutely freaking huge in his book. And that's a really, really cool thing to know. So the scripture is filled with verses like, do not despise small beginnings. Um, Jesus said, anyone who gives a cup of cold water to one of these little ones will not fail to receive their reward. There's a very, very important verse in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, that says that God is not unfaithful. He will not forget your work of faith or your labor of love So that in, in the ways that you showed love to people who needed it. Um, anything that you do, if you, <clears throat> if you rewind this and listen to Jed's advice, and you do any of the things that he mentioned, the thing that you can know for sure is that you are making a real difference and you are making the kind of difference that God counts as humongous. That's huge because God doesn't expect you to completely stop this thing. What he expects you to do is exactly what he's calling you to. So you, if you've listened to the podcast for a long time or if you've read Glenn's blog, he has this phrase that he uses, which is, the Lord is putting a squeeze on my heart for you. I love that phrase. If you've got a place in your life where the Lord is putting a squeeze on your heart, the next question is, what do I do? That's your next question. If I got a squeeze on my heart, my next question is, how do I respond to that squeeze? I can't stop the crisis that's happening with our current political situation, the way that that immigrants are being mistreated, even though, by the way, Christians, the number one thing that the Bible says it other than love the Lord your God, is love the foreigner. That's, the, that's the, the, the most frequent command in all of Scripture after loving God is loving the foreigner and the outsider. Um, I can't stop that whole thing. But if God is putting a squeeze on my heart, then I can respond to it in exactly the way Jed's talking about. So, for instance, it, like if you don't know what those organizations are, I would encourage you to try this. Uh, go into Google, type in the name of your city, and then type in the word refugee service. I bet you'll find a, I bet you'll find a charity. I bet you'll find an organization. I bet you'll find some uh, faith-based organization that's doing something to reach out to refugees. We have literally tens of millions of refugees in the world right now seeking asylum, seeking uh, homes, seeking food, seeking help. There are people arriving on planes into your city right now. Um, they are arriving into the, the, the city with an airport right next to my little town. And so if you just type in the name of your city and then refugee services, and then call them up and say, what do you need help with? Do you need, you, does somebody need a ride? Does somebody need a, a, a ride to a job interview? Does anybody need brownies? Does anybody need some help? Here's what you can know. Based on the scriptures, this is true, that if you give a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, you will not fail to receive your reward. That whatever you do, God says, 
He will not forget your work of faith and your labor of love. You don't have to solve this whole thing, but you are powerful. And you're powerful in this way. The Almighty God is putting a squeeze on your heart because there's somebody in your community that needs loved on. Something that you can do. So the question for all of us is, I feel my heart being squeezed. How do I respond today to that squeeze on my heart? God is going to see it. God is going to love it. And it matters. And it's a big deal. Absolutely right. That's all really great stuff. And Glenn, where would you close this out? Well, I think, uh, you know, we work with people who are locked up all the time. That's that's a big part of our, our job. When we tell you this is, even for us, next level, unacceptable, that's saying something. We've, no we've, we've been locked into some really bad places, you know, physically bad places. Uh, to, to imagine that there are worse places uh, than that for people whose worst crime is crossing a border is just, that's, that's unacceptable. The Bible is very clear on this, and the Bible is very clear that uh, we are to care for people who are foreigners. That's 100%. There's no, there's no, uh, we're not, there's just no getting around that. So therefore, we're, 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 we're not spending a lot of time on that because uh, it, to us, that's, that's an obvious thing. But I want to try and say a few things to maybe uh, to to relieve some pressure and to uh, set you free a bit to take a hold of the stuff that Lee is talking about there and, and responding to the Lord uh, working on your heart. Here's the first thing I want to tell you about that. Nobody thinks that this is Christian, putting people in camps like that. Nobody thinks that's Christian. I, I have a lot of uh, contact with social media. A lot of the people that I know on social media are, are not Christian. And uh, none of them have said a single—they've uh, all said really negative things about this, uh, to be honest. But none of them have said, it is just sickening to me that this is what Christianity is, put people in cages. Nobody said that. Nobody thinks that. They think the people who claim to be Christian and say, let's put people in cages— that that isn't Christian. In other words, they think those people are not Christians. If we if we can take a moment to absorb that, then we we don't need to feel a burden. I have to tell the world that Christians aren't like this because they already know that. Yep. They they're aware that that ship has sailed. They think people who approve of this are not Christian, whether they are or they're not. They think they're not. So that's that that ship has sailed. But I think the other thing with this is, you know, we've talked about this stuff a lot, you know, just in our personal lives and trying to process some of the stuff that's going on. And the the world we keep coming back to is this, like a bizarre social experiment. And just things will be more and more immoral. And how much of that can you go along with? How much of that can you just endure before you say, you know, I, I voted this way, but I can't put up with this. You know, just because I voted for this party doesn't mean I have to go along with everything they say. And there's a line, and here's where the line is. Uh, but I think all of us feel uh, that uh, whether we voted for that uh, political movement or not, or whether we voted for a, a law that allows for something or not, 
we still have that sense of uh, it's it's like a moral test. What are you going to do? And this is something I didn't have to face when I was your age. We didn't have an issue quite like this. It wasn't quite so stark and so extreme as this. Uh, but I'm with these fellows. Uh, there are uh, there are a million things you can do, and I, if you can't find anything else in your town, if you're just you know uh, away from any sort of organization, uh, I like to also suggest that you call an immigration attorney. Uh, they deal with that stuff all the time. They might know who's in need of stuff and who's uh, you know just needs a job so they can stay here. That kind of thing. If you can go to your church and find somebody that can give somebody some employment. That might be solving a big chunk of that problem. Uh, as a church, you can adopt uh, families and uh, help. Uh, if there's someone here and they're, fam- they're trying to work and their family's overseas, we can adopt a family, bring them over, get them set up in a new place, uh, help them get to work and help them get set up, get the kids in school, all those kinds of things. This is stuff that uh, even a, a, a decent-sized Bible study can do if they've got the physical resources to do that. Uh, if you're even just looking at starting a new church, you can say, we want to call a pastor who's passionate about this and will help organize this. And we, you know, if, if look, if you are one of a dozen Christians and you're sitting together and you're all in your 20s, start your own church. Call a pastor and say, we want you to pastor this church plant. We're starting a new church. I deal with this stuff every day, and this is exactly how it starts. We want to have a new church. We want to plant a new church, start a new thing, and here are our values. Here are the things we are we want to get done with this church. I think this is a great place to start. Of We, we want to start and have a real movement within this body of believers, even though we're small, that we can do something and build on that and grow. That is all really fantastic stuff, and I think these guys did a great job covering this from really every important angle. One one small thing I'll, I'll tack on the end here. So you say in your question, um, you know, I don't know anything about politics, and that's that's cool. That's certainly where we all start. Um, what I would uh, encourage you by saying is uh, this thing that's going on at the border is a political issue. It is a, an issue of policy of a government which nominally represents you. Congratulations, you now have a political issue. It's the one, it may only be, it may be the first one, and it's a great one to come in on. Um, because I think there's an idea that politics should be beneath Christians. And we don't want to get all political and get all just bring Jesus in that. Now, the people who say that never say it when you're going to vote their way. When you're going to vote their way, it's like kind of a holy calling to agree with them. But if you think something that a politician they like is doing is reprehensible and wants to take actions to do that, like, whoa, whoa, man, it's not about politics. It's not, it's not, it's, let's not be of the world. Um, you, live in a, you live in a nation where you have the right to vote. You have the right to reach out to your, your members of Congress. You should exercise those things. That's, that's part of this. There is, without getting too political, because it's true in a lot of spiritual stuff, um, the way the voting breaks down in America is old white people vote the most by like a lot, by like an almost sarcastically comic amount. If you want elected officials to kind of reach your issues, one of the things you have to make clear is I plan on voting. 
And I plan on remembering where you came down on this side when I vote. For you, for anybody with the same uh, letter next to their name, I intend on making this a big honking issue in the way I vote, in the way I may give money or doing those things. That's not in any way unchristian. That's not, I think, again, people who have a lot of um, political power and are also having to be Christian really like the idea that, um, you know, we don't, we don't need to like use political power to solve these problems. Now, again, when you bring that up about one of their pet issues, they would like the Supreme Court to outlaw the thing they don't like. But when it's your thing, like, no, it's hearts and minds and prayer. And there's nothing wrong with being political and being political. doesn't mean you have to have read wealth of nations and the communist manifesto and you have to care about the personalities and watch cable news. That's not what being political means. Being political means you are invested and interested in the policy that is being carried out in your name. So this is a good political issue to have. As all these guys have pointed out, it's one that God cares about, like in really specific terms, like in I am the Lord, your God terms. If you read through the book of Deuteronomy where, and this has been this has been a happy place for me recently, and I'll share it with you in the hopes that you're as snarky as I am. Our our friends on a certain political spectrum say, I just want, I think the Bible should be like the way, you know, we government based on the Ten Commandments and the Bible. Right. Here's what the Bible says about immigration policy in the book of Deuteronomy. Let the foreigner the foreigner should be no different than the native born. I am the Lord your God. So this is one of those things where it is exactly back where Lee started us out. It's important to, you have a big emotional reaction and there's going to be a lot of people who want to put a lot of obstacles between your gut reaction and any action you might take. That's going to come in the form of discouragement. It's going to come in the form of, well, you know, it's just they, this, the last guy did something similar and this, you know, don't even worry about it. Now they might say that on their way to the voting booth telling you not to go vote. So prayer, and one more thing on the the end of this, I don't want to discount thoughts and prayers because properly applied, thoughts and prayers can be a huge thing. Now, especially in the American political discourse, that thoughts and prayers has become code for, I'm not going to do anything about that. Uh, This is a bad thing that I have to acknowledge is bad, but I don't want it to change. So thoughts and prayers. Um, But if you have an issue that you care about, to think about it and to pray about it as a way to get to action is a great thing. As long as it doesn't stop at thoughts and prayers, we don't need to look down on that. And as these guys have all pointed out, there is something you can do. There's something you can start doing, and we would encourage you to do that. All right, move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously, and it says, Hello, gentlemen. Well, that's up for debate. I love yeah, the podcast. It's a little extreme. Yeah. And really have been into them ever since Nisi. Shout out to our friend, Miss Nisi, of the My Strength and My Shield podcast. Woo. Introduce it as one of her recommendations. I have a question about Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. How do you delight in God? I know what delight means, but do you have any practical suggestions for how to delight in God? Thank you for reading the question. A great question. I really like... Uh, it was interesting when I saw this one come into the uh, the inbox. We get the we get a version of this question a lot, but it's always this verse. And then I was feeling in the back of the question of I delighted in God. How come He didn't give me the things I want? Right. So we have answered that in class. But I really like this idea of looking for the practical, looking for a way to uh, mm. to look at the front end of this equation. And Lee, where would we start off? Yeah, I, I think the 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 place where I have to honestly start out on this is to say that I'm a gigantic beginner on this 
after walking with the Lord for, you know, a, a lot of years at this point, I still feel like I'm at the front end of this. I, I feel like I'm right alongside you going, wait, how do I do this? Um, I think this is, this is one of those, this is one of those places where I'm glad that the Bible talks about our relationship with God as a walk, um, which is a slow thing. Um, something that takes some time. Um, this is, to me, this is one of those things that, that takes some reps. Um, it's one of those things that develops over a, a long time uh, with maturity and with, you know, with a lot of kind of falling and scraping your knee and stuff like that. Let me break this down for you this way. For me, I feel like there are so many times where I, I try to understand what this means, try to delight myself in God, asking him for things or whatever it is. And, and so many times, like the things that he's leading me into are the things that I don't want. And I've kind of go kicking and screaming into his way, or I just go my own way. And then, you know, I, I always find out that when I get my way, um, I get things exactly the way I think I want them. Then it, it always kind of feels a little disappointing, a little bit less life, a little bit less satisfaction and stuff like that. I always kind of go towards, um, you know, delighting in the Lord or, or, or just kind of loving his way of running my life or of calling shots over me or anything like that. That's always kind of the, the uh, plan B. After my way didn't work, I kind of delight in my way first. And then, and then I'll kind of, you know, acquiesce to his way kind of later on. And this is just kind of a a true confession thing. I, I usually just want my way first. I'm usually kind of delighted in my idea at the beginning. And when that doesn't work, then I'll try his way. And what I find is that he's always wanting to to fill me up with with all kinds of more life and all kinds of more fulfillment and all kinds of more joy and, and all that stuff in in things like serving and things like laying my life down and things like letting him call the shots. And it's one of those deals that after you know, decades of, of knowing the Lord at this point and walking with him and that I, I really do still feel like a beginner in knowing what it means to delight myself in the Lord in the way that, that he starts to give me the desires of my heart. He starts to, it's, it's like I'm slowly, slowly kicking and screaming, realizing that the things that, that are the, really the desire of my heart are the things that, you know, that he always wanted in the first place, that, that he was always calling that shot and he was always leading me to in the first place. All that to say, I'm right there with you. I'm, I'm taking my time learning this because I'm stubborn and hard-headed, and, um, but, I'm, I'm, but it's one of those things that with reps, I'm learning that, um, that yeah, his, his way is, is leading me into more satisfaction, more fulfillment, and more fullness, and and all of that, and so it's a it's a slow process, but I'm 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 finding that delight as I kind of give up on my own way, slowly, slowly but surely. A really, really good place to start off. And Glenn, where would you take this this from here? Maybe we can start again. That that idea of delight, I think, is is a bit confusing to people. Maybe yeah. as a, not something we think of as an active verb. Kind of you, yeah. You, you are delighted. Delight is something that comes onto you. How do we start trying to create that well yeah i think it it involves being tender-hearted towards the lord that is to be to say that you're you're open to seeing things the way that he sees them 
And to where I think you begin to see why he is the way he is and think it's good. Uh, I'm a long ways from that currently. I don't get why he does what he does most of the time, and I think it's terrible. You know, I want I want it to be my way. So that's the that's right. the, the uh, I'm trying to get to a point where I say, Lord, it's delightful what you did with that. That's great. You know that this is you know. I tend to think that when things are going well, at least when I'm getting what it is that I want, and I don't think that is the case when he's getting what he wants, you know, and when I when I when I'm not getting what I want. Uh, so uh, I think maybe a, if you were looking for a practical way to get to that, uh, I would say ask God to break your heart uh, for the things that break His heart. Uh, there are things that uh, that that absolutely uh, absolutely break God down with sorrow that exists in your world. And if you felt that same sorrow, that would be a, a, a way of being in touch with where the Lord is and being on the same page. Uh, I think it's also about saying, Lord, let me see other people the way you see them, uh, to see that potential, to see what could be there, and then, yes, that would, in a, in a practical sense, allow you to encourage people along that journey and to, to do better with that, uh, but you your heart would already be in the right place, as this verse is talking about. I think the real problem that we have with this verse is we love the second half of it. You know, the desires of my heart are awesome. Let's that, do that. He's going to give me the desires of my heart. That's great. What do I have to do to hook that up? Well, um, if I could, if I could translate this verse a slightly different way to say, when you stop wanting what you want and start wanting what God wants, then you'll get what you want. Well, that's uh, that's nothing. You 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 haven't given me the desires of heart. You're saying I need to not have those desires. Uh, I need to desire what God wants, and so you know, I think we. We sort of get our hopes up because we're we're only kind of listening to half of what that verse is is really saying. Um, here's another way we might uh, translate that: God gets what He wants, so if you want what He wants, then it's it's going to happen. You'll you'll, you'll get what you want because uh, He's going to have His way with things. Uh, but you know, if it sounds like I'm saying this is. Uh, this is us being sort of selfish and craving about things. I, I don't think that's really a, the right way to look at it either. Uh, we all want what we want, and I think it's good to go to God and say, here's the thing that I want. Here's the thing I think would be great if it worked out. Uh, because you have to get that off your chest. I don't think you move forward till you register, here's my perspective on this thing. Uh, and I I know that God wants to hear that from you because that starts the conversation. Now we're having a discussion of, would you be ready for that? Would it really work out the way that you think it would? Um, is this uh, something that's just sort of based on where you are today, but would that work out down the line later on when things would change? So if we can get into the discussion and we can be on the same page with the Lord, then we're going to have a sense of why the thing that I want might be bad timing. It might be 
close to the right thing, but sort of not quite. It might be a horrible, horrible, horrible idea. It might be who knows what. But whatever I get from the Lord, I'm going to start to see it the way he's seeing it, and I'll get on the same page through kind of wrestling my way through that. And then I'm in the same place where he's at, and then I know things are going to work out along those lines. God has his way. So if I if I have a sense of what his way is, because I've understood why that's his way, then I'm going to get to that place. I think it's a really, really strong uh, idea there and a really good way to draw this from uh, something that is uh, fairly theoretical. You know, delight yourself in the Lord is one of those real, real big phrases in Scripture, and we're just doing a great job putting some bones on that. And Jed, you close that by continuing that process and just keeping grounding this in that practicality is something we can do to get started. Sure, totally, totally. Well, let's let's make it less spiritual for a second. Let's talk about just delighting yourself in another person, just in general. So if you wanted to delight yourself in another person, part of what you would do is you would figure out what brings them joy, and then you'd learn how to enjoy it too. So, I mean, you know, if you had a little nephew who's super into dump trucks, um, you probably you'd steal never- steal a dump truck. Wait, what? Yeah, no, that's that's oh, uh, good. That's that's a good thought. That's probably not it. Oh, uh, you wouldn't steal the dump truck. You also wouldn't say dump trucks are stupid. I'm into cool stuff. <laughs> no, you you would take it, you know, upon yourself to say, well, I love my nephew and he loves dump trucks, so there must be something cool about dump trucks, and I want to see that. I want to see things from his perspective. I want to share in this joy that he has. So that we can have joy together. That's that's the whole thing. I, I want to figure out what brings him delight and figure out how to share in that, so that we can have greater um, relational intimacy. We can have greater um, togetherness. Um, as a real life example, uh, my wife loves animals, all animals, right, of all kind, everywhere in the world, even the evil ones, like birds, all animals of all kinds, yeah. everywhere in the world, and. I have not historically been an animal person. Mm. Is is that right, Jed? <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely true. Is it is that because sometimes they just viciously bite you? That is one reason among many. Um, because that bird hates you, Jed. Yes, and it with, hates you bad, and, and with good reason. <laughs> and with good reason. So, because my my wife loves animals, and because I love my wife, um, and because she's massively, massively out of my league and I'm just trying to keep a good thing going. Yeah. Um, I, I have made it my business to figure out how to also enjoy animals. Uh, you know, like how do I, how do I appreciate uh, critters? Cause mm. she's really into them. So how right. can I, even in some small way, share in her delight? It turns out animals are really cool. Sure. Um, I don't know if I'll, if I'll ever have just the, the zest that she has, but, I certainly I can appreciate them far more than I once could, and, and I can I can see that it's awesome. It's you know it's a really cool. It's a you know it's just there's there is something really cool there. Okay, so take all of that and let's kind of return to our walk with the Lord for a second. If you want to delight in God in a practical sense, part of what we want to do is figure out what is He into. What's His version of dump trucks and animals, and how do I learn to share in that delight? Well, part of one of the things that we know from the Bible that God loves is God loves seeing the down and out get hooked up. That's just God loves that. When people that are going through a hard time get the hook up, that that is God's pride and joy. So 
I want to learn how to enjoy that too. And I want to get into that. And I want to see what's cool about that. And I want to be a part of it. And I, and I want to be involved in it. And if you do that, all of a sudden what you discover is it is awesome. It's super cool. I get, I mean, I'm sure I don't see the totality of it, but I, I can see at least sure. a picture of why God is so into this. And man, I'm into it too. And it's cool. And God wants to see this happen. And now I want to see it happen both because he wants to see it happen, but also because I see what's really cool about it. And it's amazing. And all of a sudden I'm finding that I am beginning, at least in small ways, to want the same things God wants, just like these other brothers are having. And as that happens, now we have this process where I am delighting myself in the Lord and my desires are changing. And as my desires are changing, I'm finding that God is actually meeting and granting those desires. That is all really good stuff. One one very small thing I will I will tack on here as we close this out, exactly as all these guys are saying, um, they're giving you exactly what you need to do. I would I would add just one thing on here about being okay with this being a process. As all these guys have pointed out, and I'm right there with them. I want my thing. That's what I want. That's plan A, B, and C. Only after it goes crashing into a thousand burning pieces am I willing to admit that maybe God had a better plan. And I am delighted when I don't die or screw up my life or whatever thing my idea didn't delight in. So the a bit of progress would be to just start on closing that gap. As these guys will point out, the ultimate goal is to get to the point where I don't even campaign for my thing anymore. Just jump immediately to, you know, whatever that willest, O oh Lord, which I assume is how I'll talk once I get really holy. Oh. But um You're wearing we can, a robe for some reason? Yeah, just all the time. Um but we we start off with I don't get my thing, and then I get God, and then God gets his thing, and then I recognize that it's good, but I'm still pretty much pouting about not getting my thing. And I kind of think my thing actually would have been better, even though this thing worked out in this huge way. And finally, yes, I'm glad it happened this way. We can start kind of knocking that process back yeah. minute by minute. Yeah. And that's all to the good. That's all, that's all progress. It's all progress that God's recognized. And as all these guys are pointing out, as, as Jed pointed out to there, your life's going to get better when you kind of get better at recognizing those things. And you're going to want to close that gap. It, it is actually a delighting process. This is not, as Glenn started us off, this is not the idea of just stop wanting stuff because it's evil and stupid. This is this is a thing that will make your life better as you get better at it. And getting better at it just by seconds, minutes really does count and will make a big difference. Remember our final question here. It comes in anonymously and it says, I'm trying to minister to people with suicidal thoughts. And I posted a graphic on Facebook that read, quote, God will fight the battle for you, unquote. And someone responded with, quote, this is nauseating. Next time you post something like this, ask yourself how many people have taken their lives because of the stigma on mental health issues because of this kind of thing, unquote. How should I respond? And Glenn, please start us off. Well, uh, when you see a reaction that is out of all proportion with the actual thing you're saying, <laughs> you know this is someone who's got a struggle. Uh, and we want to deal with that lovingly and with some understanding. That's a little tough because, my goodness, you 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 really overdid the response to this. Uh, you doing okay, buddy? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you, part of what we're dealing with here, Romans uh, fourteen sixteen says, "Don't take something that you think of as good be spoken of as evil." Uh, it, part of what it's saying there is. If you've got something good to say and you're trying to be good, uh, you have to try and do everything you can on your part to not come off as saying evil because you've been in some way misunderstood. 
that's another way of saying of make sure people have the right understanding of what you're on. Now, if you're on Facebook, that's pretty tough. If you're posting sort of a graphic or a meme or something on Facebook, it's even tougher. You you put a, a graphic up there talking about uh, mental health stuff, and you put on a graphic that says, God will fight the battle for you. You are not... You are saying God's in your corner and God's there to help. That's that's the essence of what you're saying there. But someone took that to mean stop taking your meds and just pray. That's most likely because that's what that person was told, and it did not work out for them, and that's not good advice. Uh, so there's a couple of different layers to this. Uh, one is that we want to be understanding of the person, and we'll, we'll get to that here in a bit. But the other layer is we need to speak with a clear voice on these things. Uh, I, this, um, this particular question came in to me from a young lady in Nigeria. So if you can imagine how tough it is to speak to all the different people who might be having mental health uh, struggles and trying to say something sensitively and kind of imagine all the different ways that might be taken in, in sort of a wrong way, then imagine that English may not be your first language, and then imagine that you're not native to an American culture who might have all sorts of different kinds of issues. It's really hard to imagine all the different ways someone could take this the wrong way, but that is still worth doing. It sounds kind of crazy, but we it's on us. If we want to help people to sit and really puzzle out, what are all the different ways people might take this in a wrong way? adjust that language, get it as precise as we can get it to give as full and rich of an answer. Sometimes that doesn't fit within a cute little graphic or something, and that it is what it is. You, you try and figure out a way to, to make that, those kinds of things work. But that's certainly what we try to do. We, we say all sorts of things that are, that are not uh, accurate and precise, and people do take stuff the wrong way. Uh, but we put that back on ourselves. Okay, I could have said that better. I need to make that more clear. In this case, you're saying God cares for us, body, mind, and soul. Uh, that that includes taking your meds. That includes getting, you know, a, having a good diet and getting your rest and all that kind of stuff. And it includes praying and letting God uh, transform you from the inside out. So if that's where you're coming from. Be clear with that, and be cl- and respond in that way. Let me clarify what was in that. You may disagree with my clarification, but at least you'll be clear disagreeing with what I actually believe and what I'm actually trying to say. But the other part of this is to uh, try and uh, help this person, and we don't want to get into a feeding the trolls thing. That can be that can be kind of dicey. But in this case, if it's a, it's really more of an understanding, it might be worth clarifying some things. But here's what the, the devil comes to us and says. If I post a, a thing on Facebook and says, God will fight the battle for you, and someone comes back at me with you know, just a vicious reaction, my thought is I need to defend God. Mm-hmm. That thought comes from Satan. Here's why. You say, well, no, that sounds holy. You know, i got to defend God. What could be more holy than that? Because if in this case, if I defend God... I'm attacking the person who's already been hurt, who's already lost and already, this is God's lost sheep. This is God's greatest desire. This person come to a healthy relationship with him. You don't need to defend God. You need 
to honor God by trying to reach out to this lost sheep of his that he wants to bring back. So Amen. we're not defending God. That's the wrong, that's that's a devil's message. Defend God, attack the person. God's message is come with some understanding, bring some clarity, sound a clear call, uh, you know, make it clear to this person. As mad as you are about this, I'm not mad back at you. I want to clarify. I want to reach out. I want to build bridges here. We can be patient with other people who are lost and hurting and sometimes lashing out because God's been patient with us. And that, that's a call. That doesn't mean let yourself be abused. It doesn't mean put up with stuff that's over the line. But it does mean be patient. Because here's, I'm landing the plane with this. Here's one of the things that I've learned uh, over time in ministry is there are some people who've been in really, really bad church relationships where it's been abusive and really negative, and they, they're carrying that, and they want to they lash out, they wanna, but they can't talk to those people. It's just you, and so you're going to carry the brunt of that. But sometimes those same people also want to test you, and the, their idea of testing you is saying something really bad to see if you will love them back. Now, that's not a fair test, and it's not smart, and it's not emotionally healthy. This is not how you form good relationships. So, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's, that's a subject for another day. But there, there are times where, you know, people will come to what we're doing, and they'll decide, I just, I don't like it, and it's a thing, and I don't, it's just, you know, what it is, and it says, I'm sputtering, and I just have feelings and opinions. And we'll say, well, I understand how you feel, and you know, God bless you. And if this isn't to your taste, I I hope you find what you're looking for. If you need help with that, I'd be happy to help you. You know, I you know, everybody's got their their taste and what they like. And God bless you, though. We're we're glad to to, to know you and glad you stopped by. About seven or eight times out of ten, those same people were like, well, you know, I don't know. I was just, you know. It's not that bad. I guess I'll go right back in. You know, that's just there. They just have to put it to the test because they want to see, can you be cool about stuff? Uh, because they have some stuff in their past and they might be a little prickly about it. And they want to know, will you love them through that? That's a really, really great point. And Jed, to, I think all that stuff Lynn says uh, applies. And I think he did an amazing job. Getting things are going to apply in real life. They're going to apply online. Um, let's, let's focus on the online aspect of that sure. because there are some lovely things you can do online that you can't do in real life, like mute people. Yep. And there's no amount of money I wouldn't pay to be able to do that in real life, yep. but it's just not an option yet. Yep. So what, what are the online specific things as far as, uh, Glenn is right. You know, you want to be clear of what you're saying, but that does only go so far with people who are just online looking to get in the morass of negativity. Well, uh, this, of course, is something where we need to ask the Lord for a bit of discernment. But as Glenn said, you know, sometimes there's things that are just over the line in terms of people's response. When that happens, delete their response and mute them. Um, we do that all the time. That's what we do, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there's... there. Facebook has a delightful thing where you can hide their comment and they won't know that no one else can read it. Yeah, yeah. Do that early and often, as we say in Chicago. Um there are there if you want to think of kind of three categories of people, there are people with legitimate questions who did not understand what you were saying. Maybe they're not expressing their lack of understanding terribly well, but it's just I didn't understand what this was. Uh, and that's fine. We we want to engage with those people as much as we're able. Then there are people, as Glenn is saying, where I've been hurt and I'm coming from a place of hurt. I'm probably not expressing that terribly well, but I just 
I'm just having a rough time. And within reason, we want to be compassionate and understanding and figure out how how can we extend love and, and grace and that. And then there are jerks. Um, and if we're if we're dealing with that third category, mute them, delete them, block them. Uh, don't don't feed the trolls. I mean, you know, it's it doesn't get any more complicated than that. Um, I would offer a couple of things for you to look at, kind of with your specific outreach. So we actually do a lot of media stuff that is meant for young people and others who are going through rough times and maybe facing some fairly clinical problems in their lives. And we actually partner on purpose with subject matter experts. Uh, We work with physicians, uh, psychologists, counselors, therapists, uh, social workers to develop content that we use with people. And we do that for a number of reasons. One of the reasons is no one can be an expert at everything. Um, We, uh, I don't know, a year and a half ago, we were doing some content related to HIV. And um, I'm not a physician, and no one else on this podcast is a physician, and it would be super dumb for us just to assume we would know the right things to say about HIV prevention, uh, what with us not being doctors and all. Uh, But uh, we have a friend who not only is a physician, but specializes in public health policy as it relates to HIV prevention. So we just went to him and said, what should we say? Uh, what what What's the thing? What really matters? What what are the key things that need to be hit? And then we did exactly what he said. Uh, it was great. It was fantastic. You can do that too. You can find subject matter experts. Um, I think with a lot of mental health stuff, it's actually great to find people who are in your area uh, that are dealing with those issues because they're going to have the best sense of um, what works well in the kind of cultural standpoint that you're in, um, you know, what, what's going to be best received, but finding people who are again, subject matter experts in the stuff that you're dealing with and letting them tell you what's the content, what's the stuff that we need to hit on, um, is good for two reasons. The first is because then you can have some confidence. I am sharing what needs to be shared. I'm saying what needs to be said and what is actually helpful. Um, but the other reason why it's important is that's still going to get hate. The stuff yeah. that's coming from subject matter experts and has been carefully curated and is, you know, uh, best practices for this for this thing, people are still going to hate on that. Right. There is no content that will have no haters. Now, I'll, I'll give you a, a quick example of what I mean. But before you move on, that but at least at that point you can know I've done everything on my part to give you the best advice. Exactly right. Exactly right. We were doing some content a couple years ago for uh, teenagers that are dealing with bullying, who are, who are being bullied. We're working, uh, we want to do kind of like some heavy metal music that was related to that. We're working with a lady who's a professional social worker, has been for 25 years, and her whole thing is teenagers, at-risk teens. That's her whole thing. So we get together with her. What's bottom line? What needs to be communicated? She says, bing, 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 these three points. This is what matters. So we just translate that to music. It's, we're not editorializing. This is just, this is the thing. And we go back and like, here's what we've got. Is this what you meant? Is it like, yep, that's perfect. Couldn't ask for better. It goes out in the world. Great response. We've got young people who are dealing with problems saying, man, this is what I needed to hear. And it's awesome. And it's fantastic. And then there's some random lady. Well, I just, and I don't, and besides, say, this is just, it's, I don't, you know, I just, I can't even believe you say, all right. Sorry, you're unhappy. Maybe this comes from a place of hurt in your own life. But I'm not pretending like you've got a point on this. Right. We yeah. went and we found the experts. We worked with the experts. We put this content out into the world. You're allowed to not like it. That's no problem. But I'm actually not pretending like you have a point where we are wrong in the things that we're saying because you don't. 
Um, it's better for everybody else if you get those subject matter experts involved, but it's also better for you because it gives you that confidence in the work that you're doing and you deserve to have that. Really great stuff. And Lee, I'd love to get you to close out here by looking at something that, uh, be it online or in real life, we everyone has experienced, particularly those of us in professional ministry, and it can be a bit of a, a head trip to say, I was trying to do something that was purely good. I wanted to encourage people going through a hard time. And now people are attacking me on that. And uh, that can be a really tough thing to, to get your mind around. And what, what should we be thinking to kind of get to the other side of that? Yeah, I think that it's a difficult thing. And I've experienced it too. And I, I love that, that, that all these guys have said we've all experienced it. And one of the things that's really interesting, when I, when I was listening to, to Glenn give his answer and then Jed give his answer as well, you're listening to guys who have decades of ministry experience, who have experience in all kinds of things that would, that would lend themselves to like the, the way to do this thing perfectly. Um, like, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to the experts in all these fields. These are guys that know stuff about marketing. They understand things about the, the, the internet. They understand things about the way that certain things move, memes and graphics and all of that kind of stuff. And even then, you're hearing all of this effort and time put into it, and you still get the haters. You still get the trolls and stuff like that. And the thing about it is, is even when you've put in that work, it can still be emotionally disorienting. It can still be a difficult thing just to feel like, man, I was trying to help, and this is this thing that happened. And that's because the internet is just, it is just uh, an ocean of, of uh, you know, people sharing their stupid opinions. And some people are just really, really, they just say really painful stuff on there. And some people, and, and some people go into it with a lot of hurt. You know, one of the things that, that Glenn mentioned early on is, and I'm glad that he broke it down this way, of like the way you mean a thing and the way some people hear it based on the kinds of Christians that they've been around and the kind of pastors that they have been exposed to. And you meant a good thing, and then somebody else felt it another way. And that is so, it's so disorienting and so discouraging. One thing that I would encourage, and, um, you know, even, and this is possible even in the internet age, even, even remotely with, with like an online type of ministry, is move toward putting your energy and your prayer and your time and your effort into one-on-one interactions. And one thing that's really cool about all of these kind of online platforms is that whether that would be like <clears throat> a blog type platform or, or even on Facebook or even on Instagram or Tumblr or something like that, or Twitter, is that there is a direct message function with any of these things. Um, you can reach out to people who are struggling and people who are having a hard time in a direct message type of private message type of setting. And you can say to them, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. If you need somebody to talk to, to email back and forth, or if you need, you know, just if you just want to unload some of these burdens, just I'm here for that. Um, That kind of a thing. It's, it's a kind of a deal where on an kind of an online ministry, we tend to think that what matters is numbers, you know, retweets or, or uh, likes or whatever that kind of thing is. But actually, this goes back to something that we talked about in the first question, which is that according to the Lord, um, if you meet somebody's need, if you serve somebody, if you care for somebody, that's actually a huge ministry impact. 
Um, you may have heard Glenn say stuff like, uh, you know, stuff on the podcast before that that he'd rather have uh, one-on-one interactions than preach into a gigantic room of 2,000 people. Um, and that's because the ministry impact is higher. Um, when If I'm sitting in a one-on-one situation, then I get to ask you a question, and I get to respond to exactly what, what your question off of that is, or I get to just uh, throw a, 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 you know, a feeler out there and just listen to you tell your story. Now I have way more information to work with. I think that sometimes when we get on, especially when we're trying to do kind of an internet uh, online ministry with some of these blast graphics, is the point of those things is that they're quick and they're sticky and they get lots of likes and retweets and reblogs or whatever that thing is. And that can be a really cool and a useful and a helpful thing. Um, but at the same time, if I am if I'm in a direct message type of conversation, ongoing thing where I'm praying and talking to one person about their one issue, and I'm responding to, 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 to the way that they're you know, feeling these things or thinking through these things, and we're sending verses back and forth, and I'm praying for you. Yeah, it doesn't have those huge numbers that some of these blast graphics have, but you have just immediate and real impact. Um, and so it's one of the things that I would say is, as you're trying to navigate, exactly as these guys are saying with their advice, of you know, carefully coming through the content, learning how to, learning how to discern, you know, who has a point and who doesn't. That's all incredibly, you know, in, incredibly good advice, and it's all exactly right on the money. At the same time, I would say within that realm, be putting energy and time into one-on-one conversations, asking people um, one at a time how you can pray for them, talking to them. Your impact is going to go up. You're going to get deeper into individual stories and situations and stuff like that. And, and the Lord loves that kind of stuff. You know, in the middle of a crowd of people, Jesus stopped to hear the story of one woman who had been hurting for 12 years. He stopped the whole crowd, the whole procession. That kind of a thing was important to him. And I know that we want the, 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 the big numbers and all that kind of stuff looks really, really cool. But those individual type of conversations, that's a really, really high ministry impact. You shouldn't look down on it. Indeed, you should not. That is all excellent stuff. And I, I think that Lee brings up something very important there, which is something that's run through all these answers, but it's important to uh, to kind of hang a light on it. There are times when there's something to be learned from negative feedback. We've all mm-hmm. experienced that online. We've experienced in real life. There are sometimes when there's nothing to be learned from, and it's just someone lashing out out of hurt. And there's sometimes when there's a gray area where it kind of is someone being a jerk, but is these guys have pointed out there's also maybe a little bit of lesson to learn there. The other, but the important thing in all cases is to an- analyze that. If you have some friends who are doing this with you, if you have a mentor, if you have other people who kind of do ministry stuff or you think it would be a good second set of eyes on that to look at that and say, if there's something to take away from this for next time, something is, as Glenn starts off with kind of maybe tweak, maybe clarify. And then you've got to let that go. Yeah. You can't let this this negative content, this negative uh, feedback, just stay with you and make you question this. All of what you're doing is yeah. there a specific thing I need to learn from this situation? Regard taken away from how jacked up this person is, and then there's the situation itself, which is a different thing. We want to keep the lesson and let go of the hurt that comes from the situation. That's really the great place you want to land from this. All right, if you have a question for us, at podcast at gmail.com, the bridge Chicago dot Tumblr. 
com. You can also scroll down in your episode description to find those links. Check out the song this week. This is from the ever-reclusive and mysterious Poolhouse Guru. Uh, yeah. It was a verse that I was thinking about during our first Ooh. question, but I think I think it ties into really all we talk about tonight. And that's uh, Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. This is a Poolhouse Guru's take on that verse to help that seep in your mind a little bit this week. Take out th- that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. Let's say, uh, podcast, we're glad you enjoy the show. Keep listening. Enjoy more episodes on our podcast feed. Leave a review. We all look forward to bringing you more. I'm your favorite. Keep listening. Send us back Show